When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. A very warm welcome to the first episode of the 1871 podcast for Reading FC fans. I'm your host, Mark Roach. And former Royals left-back Dylan Kerr is your co-host, alongside Johnny Hunt, who's been a Royals fan for 40 years. And we've got some fantastic guests lined up for you over the next month or so, including the legend that is Steve Koppel, who is our guest next week. And then the week after, in two weeks from now, we've got 80s goal machine Trevor Senior. Plus, we've also got Simon Osborne, Mick Gooding, Shaka Hislop, Andy Bernal, Laurie Sanchez, Martin Allen, Wally Downs, and more. And if you want to keep up to date with our latest news and special guest announcements, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 1871podcast. So, welcome Dylan. Oh Lord! <laughs> no, it's a bit when you say like Dylan. Uh, well, oh hi, Mark. Sorry, I'm just thinking. Oh Lord, that's my uh, when anybody says hello, Dylan. So um, yeah, uh, it's great to be part of this, Mark. Um, we've been doing it with the uh, Early Doors uh, podcast with, with many many guests, and you know we've we've, we've had this idea, and it's, I think it's a great idea, especially with the people that, were, that are coming on to talk, especially where the club is at the moment, where, you know, there's a yeah. lot of, you know, something happening, there's nothing happening, you know. Yeah. So, but it's great. And I hope the fans and other people enjoy it. Reading fans and all football fans, I, yeah. I hope they enjoy it if they choose. All right. And, and welcome Johnny as well. Hi, lads. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. Very good. Nice to, nice to see you both. Dylan, we've known each other for a long time. Johnny, um, fairly recently, but I know you've been a, a, a Reading fan for a very long, very long time. So it's great to have you both on the show and, and especially uh, the legend that is Dylan Kerr-Malord, as he was once known at Elm Park and is still known. Um, so we're also joined for our very first episode by Andy West. And Andy, forgive me if I've got your title wrong here, but I think I'm right in saying you were Reading's Head of Communications from 98 until 2009, is that right? Yeah, kind of. By the end I was. Um, when I started, it was just me and the department. So yeah. I suppose it was head of communications because it was only me. You were um, the department, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it changed right. a lot uh, over the years. Um, and I've got to say, I feel I sh- I'm a bit out of place when you talk about the guests you've got coming up. Steve Koppel, Trevor Senior, legends like that. And then you you got me today. I, I feel not worthy to be here, but I'll try my best. Well, I'll tell you what, Andy, I'm really pleased we, we have got you on a guest because 
your time at the club coincided with some great times. So we feel possibly you need to go back and get it all sorted out. But um, yeah. we'll, we'll come to you a bit later. And before we um, before we talk about all that, and obviously Reading have made a new signing today, so we, we've got that to talk about as well. But before we talk about all of that, and before we chat more to, to Dylan, Johnny and Andy, of course, let me tell you first about the 1871 podcast and, and what you can expect. So 1871 is a weekly podcast about Reading FC and it's out every Tuesday at 6.30pm. And we will be focusing on the current Reading side, but we'll also be taking some trips down memory lane and we'll be able to confirm some other great Reading FC guests in the coming weeks. And only today we've got somebody from the Reading women's team uh, confirmed as a guest and I'll review who that is on a later episode so that's great as well. So Dylan, Dylan Kermalord, you were left back at Reading for three seasons in the mid-90s, a great time for Reading, um, you got a fantastic promotion, club nearly went all the way from what is now League One up to the Premier League um, and one of my best memories of you was your song, can you remember it, how it goes? Dylan Kermalord, 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 Dylan all of them. Well, I would say the first two seasons were, were probably the happiest memories. Um, I've got one bad memory. Uh, obviously, the playoff final that we uh, we played uh, Bolton Wanderers. And, you know, to be told the night before the game that you weren't on the bench and you weren't getting... And, and it's your childhood dream to play at Wembley Stadium. That's you know why you want to become a footballer, to play at Wembley. The old Wembley. Um, but that outweighs all the good times. I mean, the, the banter that we had with all the players and the staff and, and the supporters, you know, we, the Spread Eagle, the Royals Rendezvous, Washington Heights, Utopia. We, 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 Remember them well. we, were, we were playing. The, remember the winner in, in town, there was no nightclubs. There was no, I think there was two, three pubs. There was nothing in Reading City Centre. We were Valbons. We got Cavendish. We got the casino. But, and then Utopia appeared, you know, on, uh, you know, out in Calcott of all weird places. But the togetherness that we had as a group of players from, from the start when I joined um, kept on going, going, going until the day I left, which, you know, I didn't want to leave. But unfortunately, in football terms, uh, when you're injured and you, the, the management don't see that you, you can offer anything else, you, you have to leave. And, and it, it was very, very hard. As you know, I married a Reading lady. Um, divorced her a year later. So that was a bad mistake as well. So... <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean the the, the people the, the the people of Reading Football Club at the Old Elm Park Stadium, we were a community, we were a family, we were together, and we had this association with them because the pitch was nice and tight on the park. We got lots of young, up and coming supporters and footballers that you know loved to come down to to watch Reading Football Club, and we entertained and we entertained the way that football should be, you know. And the the squad of players were very humble, very honest, very hard working. And there were no big hitters. There were no superstars. So we were all 
that we're all, we were all the same type of player. We, we we weren't good enough for the say the big clubs, but we were good enough for Reading Football Club. And Sir John Medeski, uh, when I signed a blank piece of paper on uh, Meridian TV on the news uh, when I when I joined the club, which was I thought was hilarious. I signed a contract. It was just a blank A4 piece of paper. Um, one side my first training session and saw the the character and the and the and the the, the camaraderie in the team, I thought, yeah, we're going to get promoted. And I've had, always had a few regrets, Mark. You know, when I got my £10,000 signing on fee, which if you invested it in, in your pension, it was tax-free, right? I remember, uh, I can't remember his name now, who, uh, Brian, Brian, uh, Brian Stabler. He said, uh, I said to him, look, you know, what, what's the chances of getting cash? Because we're 33 to 1 to get promoted. Not to win the championship, 33 want to get promoted. And if I'd have been a betting man, if I'd have had the balls to do it, I would have got, I'd have put that 10 grand or whatever it were after tax. I would have put that on the on, on, on Reading Football Club, but I, I kind of chickened out at the last minute. Oh, there you go. Well, look, it's fair to say that it's been a very eventful few days for, for Reading Football Club. Um, so in the last couple of days, we've had a story coming out that the manager was going to be sat. Michael Jilks was going to take interim charge. That, that was the hot story. But we're still waiting. Voko Panovic is still there. And there's been a new sign-in today. But in terms of um, the managerial situation, Dylan, you, you've been, you're now a very experienced manager. You're out in South Africa. You've won trophies as a manager in three countries. You've helped three clubs avoid relegation, who were in relegation-threatened um, situations. So if the opportunity ever comes up, would you fancy the Reading job? <laughs> Listen, I know, I know how football works in England now. I know that um, whatever you do overseas, uh, English managers and coaches overseas are not recognised the way that these Serbians, these Portuguese, these Spanish uh, coaches from Germany, that, that they, they, they apparently add value to the English game. And, uh, and I add value to the South African, Af East African, uh, Vietnamese game, even America. You know, but you don't you don't get any recognition for that, Mark, uh, because they, the, the, the thinking that African football is not as good as, as what everybody wants it to be. Yet, most of the best players in Europe are African players. So, there is quality out here. But listen, I'd, I'd, I'd walk from South Africa to the top of North Africa, swim the Mediterranean... And get and swim the Thames estuary, get out at Pangbourne, have a pint, uh, a beer in, in, in the Pangbourne Working Men's Club, walk to walk to Medeski Stadium, and and I'd be there within a week if, if that opportunity came. But you know, oh. being realistic, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, I know I know there's plenty of fans that, that would um, would like to see you involved in in some way. But what qualities do you think? You know, if it does come to it, whether it's we, we don't really know. Um, when we were actually sort of preparing for this, we thought there was going to be a, a new manager. We thought Michael Jilks might be coming in as interim manager. So, and, and then, you know, it, the managerial change hasn't happened. We're hearing a few different stories. But what do you think, either from the current manager or a, or a new manager, what do you think Reading need now to stabilise them, to keep them up and to regalvanise things? What, what do they need as a club? I, need the, the, I think they need the owner to come out and, 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 and be the face of the football club. 
you know, um, you know, I speak to a lot of football fans. Paul Tanner, uh, he's a very, very good friend of mine. He's he's very, very, he's he's like Johnny, red in daft. But we need we need we need a we need the chairman. We need the chairman to come out and stand and 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 give the club direction. I mean, you've got a fantastic stadium, fantastic facilities. You know, it, there's been a lot of change since being in the Premier League, which seems like an age ago now. You know, to now being you know the, in the relegation. Uh, zone of, of 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 the championship with the possibility of going to League One, that'll be disastrous for Reading Football Club. You know the fans, the fans that I read on Twitter and and Facebook and people on the Reading fan page web pages, they're, they're desperate for 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 some kind of you know clarity to 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 what's happening. What's happening with the club? You know Michael Jilts, head of academy. Where's these academy players coming through? They've got a new training facility. You know how how come we're not producing? New and upcoming players. Where's the ownership? You know, what's the ownership doing? Are they there to just, you know, invest in the football club in the stadium and in the area, or are they genuinely interested in the football club? So John Madeski, God love him. You know, he took a gamble. Never heard of football in his life. I think he wouldn't. He wouldn't fancy himself as a chairman. Bought the club, ran the club like it should be, and he, he brought he brought a sense of community spirit to the club, which Reading Football Club has always had. But what I'm, unfortunately, what I'm hearing now is that, you know, fans are getting really, really pissed off and really, really dejected with the way the club's performing, the, the way that it's administrated, uh, the, the way that things are happening. And it shouldn't because it's a massive, massive club right in the hub of, of southern England. And it's, 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 it's a shame. It's a shame. And, yeah. you know, I love the club. I love the club. Jackie, Jackie Evans is still there. I mean, she was there when I, she arrived a year after I came. She's still there. And and she's the one who's who's kind of you know the the heart of that club that keeps everything ticking. But that's only one person. Yeah. You know why why not happening on the field? Uh, and and it and it mirrors here. You know the things off off the field reflect what happens on the field. And if it's not right off the field, then on the field it's not going to be right either. Yeah. You know, and that's where the cities, the Arsenal's, the Liverpool's, the the Leeds, all the big clubs. You know, and Reading's a big club. Don't get me wrong. All these big clubs have got a structure, a pathway. They've got a front. They've got somebody that's like talking to the fans, dialogue, you know, and and, and conversation with the supporters. And that's what they what really needs. They, yeah. they need they need they need somebody to tell them what's happening, where they are. Because at the end of the day, us fans are getting older. We need the new generation, the youngsters to come. You know, the grandkids should be coming to watch, so they're the next generation of football fans. If we don't, and we lose the older generation. Then we're going to lose a younger generation too because you know there's a different world out there now with with with, with football not being on the uh, top list of young people anymore. It's Instagram, it's Wikipedia, it's you know you know doing doing things out with football. So we just need to get some kind of information out to the fans and yeah. and and, and, yeah. and 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 tell the truth. Yeah. And, and Johnny, I'll come to you now. Um, before we talk about what's going on at the moment, just, just tell, you know, very briefly um, your story. I mean, what's your what's your best memory as a Reading fan? I know there will be a few because 40 years <laughs> covers the record-breaking Royals. It covers the nearly getting up to the Premier League in the 90s, the 106 season. Out of all of those, uh, ah. what's your favourite memory? Well, being on the podcast of Dylan Kerr is obviously up there. Don't get me wrong, but the uh, 
Yeah, the, the, the favourite ones for me, I think, because I was living in Australia at the time, coming back to the uh, QPR game, uh, the 106 games, we call it. And then 10 years ago now, or just over 10 years, when we went on that journey with McDermott's team and won God knows how many games in a row um, to, to get promotion. And I was over for the Southampton game on the Tuesday night, where, you know, again, that team, the spirit Dylan's talking about, you know, that's what we miss. It's people playing for each other. Dylan had it with the team that he was in. Steve Coppel's team was the same. McDermott's team was the same. There was a kind of unbreakable spirit and everyone on the same wavelength. And I think the problem with the, you know, the club at the minute is leadership comes from the top in any field, any sport, any work. And we haven't got the leadership from the top. And that's filtered down through you know, the, the management where we are now. You know, he's, he's a decent guy. But he's copping it from all sides. And some of it, I think, is unfair because he's kind of been hung out to dry for a lot of the things that are going on off the pitch. On the pitch, yeah, he's responsible. Um, but yeah, you know, that's that's the memories. And hopefully we'll have a few good more ones. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a, it's a cycle and we'll get through this and we've got some more memories. Because there's been some bad times in the past as well, obviously, with, you know, pre-John um, uh, Medeski days and, and that sort of thing. So fingers crossed that it will come good at, at some point. Now, bring, bring us right up to speed. Uh, it's been a crazy last few days. What have, you, what have you made of it all? And, you know, what are your feelings about Reading at the moment? What, what's going on? What needs to happen? It's not boring. That's, the, that's for sure, isn't it, at the minute? Uh, it's like a roller coaster ride. I think the last, you know, I think Saturday... Obviously, I wasn't there, but the, the feeling I got was it was a bit of a disaster for the, you know, the anniversary game as such. You know, where was the past players coming on to be? You know, all the good memories that we've had in the past didn't kind of seem to happen. And obviously, on the pitch, it's another defeat. Um, and then tomorrow is obviously the massive game, Peterborough. That's the that's the six pointer. I thought Coventry was a six pointer. This is an even bigger one, but. It's just, I think, you know, the fan base is an amazing fan base. But all this uncertainty, anxiety in the world causes so many different issues. This anxiety around what's happening with the club is just not helping anyone. Yeah. Um, you know, we're trying to, you know, we've got the lad coming on a signing today. I hope that means we haven't got another injury. <laughs> That's the way first thought. Um, you know, we've got a good squad of players if you look at it, but it's not working. It hasn't been working for ages. This zonal marking, Dylan's a a coach he'd probably explain it better than me but it clearly doesn't work for our team and, and something or things aren't changing when we need to um, and they're just not that there's not that fight and there's not that spirit um, you know I'm sure there's a thousand things off the pitch that we know nothing about and I get that but all fans want personally to see is 100% fight on the pitch yeah. every game and, and this isn't you know stuff that we can't be seeing around owners and whatever else it's what happens on the pitch that counts for the fans and you yeah. just want to see passion and that's what Dylan had yeah. and that's what a lot of our teams have Well look, Andy West is very patiently waiting, thank you Andy but because it's the first episode I ought to explain why I'm the host and how this all came about so in case you're wondering about that, naturally I'm a Reading fan uh, my story goes back to 1967 when I was born in Reading, believe it or not I was actually born in two hospitals in Reading which is absolutely true I started being born in Battle Hospital, which is now Tesco, but they couldn't get me out. So they had to take me to Royal Barks and eventually they did get me out there. So I was born in two hospitals in Reading. 
I went to my first Reading game with my dad in the 70s and I've been what you'd call a proper Reading fan since the 80s. I did actually work for the club for a while. I, I don't know if you um, remember the, the butt centre as it, as it was then. I used to um, manage a Reading FC merchandise stall there and also one at Nigel Cross Sports. And I was lucky enough to be the, uh, the PA announcer at Elm Park on match days for a season in the 80s. And I was even luckier to be the DJ at two of the end of season Reading FC player parties. <laughs> and I also was DJ at former Reading defender Steve Wood's wedding. But I would say one of my greatest memories was scoring a goal at Elm Park in an end of season friendly. It doesn't get much better than that. And a, word, and a word from my dad, Brian Roach, he was a director at the club in the 80s and he worked with Roger Smee, the chairman then, to prevent the merger with Oxford United going ahead. I don't know if anyone remembers the proposal for Thames Valley Royals. Um, and he was also agent, my dad, for former Royals, Kerry Dixon, Steve Wood and Stuart Lovell. Unfortunately, he's in very poor health now, but I spent some very happy days with him at Elm Park. It, it was him that introduced me to Reading Football Club and, uh, and also at Medeci Stadium as well. And, and he was a regular there until uh, a couple of years ago when, unfortunately, his health started to take a turn for the worst. But uh, so that, that's me. That's my story. And now, finally, Andy, uh, we have got a bit of time to speak to you. So thank <laughs> you. So, it's been interesting. Thank to hear you all so there. much. Thank you so much for waiting so patiently because it's our first episode. So now it's time to focus on you. And yes, absolutely, we have got some, some legends. We've got Steve Koppel, we've got Trevor Senior, but fantastic to speak to you. And you were head of media, head of communications, the communications department, whatever you want to call it, between 1998 and 2009. What, you know, a fantastic time for the club. What are your best memories from your time at Reading? Well, I was incredibly lucky that, that, as you said, it was a very successful time. Um, and the, the two promotions obviously stand out. Um, the, 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 the 106 season was ridiculous, incredibly special to, to set a, be part of a team that set the record that still stands, an all-time record. Just, just remarkable to be in the middle of all that, seeing that unfold in front of us. But... For me, even more special was, was Brentford, the promotion in, in 2002, mm. um, when just for, for people who may not be aware of the drama of that day, we, we were in second place. The top two went up automatically, third to six go into the playoffs, obviously. Reading was second, Brentford were third, and we were playing at Brentford on the final day. So we needed a draw. It was effect effectively a cup final. If they had won, then uh, Brentford would have been second and we would have gone into the playoffs. And we all know Reading's history in the playoffs, not very good. So we were desperate to avoid that. And we'd, we'd been on a really bad run. Um, a few weeks before the end of the season, it looked like we were going to coast to, to the title. But then I think it was something like 11 draws out of 12 games, I think. So it all came down to this final game. And Brentford took the lead and it got late. And we were starting to give up, to be honest, and think it's going to be the playoffs. And then something like the 78th minute, um, free kick taken by Adi Vivash, flicked on by Parkey, and it dropped hmm. towards Jamie Curiton, who produced, and I, I say this still now, 
for all the football that I've ever seen at any level, this was one of the best finishes I've ever seen in the circumstances. The composure he had about 10 yards out to work it onto his right foot and just dink the ball over the keeper into the corner. And it dropped in. That composure was incredible, Mm -hmm. that moment. And um, fortunately, then we we held on, so got the draw we needed to go up. And and that promotion was so special because it was so needed for the club. It was the year after a playoff final that we lost in crazy circumstances to Walsall, where you may remember the the Tony Rougier own goal, where Barry Hunter cleared the ball, it hit Rougier on the edge of the box and flew into the top corner in in extra time of the the playoff final. And, And the club desperately needed that promotion. Um, to get out of League One. You know, the third tier was no place for Reading. And there was so much pressure on those players to to get promoted, especially with the way the previous couple of months had gone where they just couldn't win a game. And so the relief when when that final whistle blew at Griffin Park was was just immense. And and I I would have celebrated that night, but I was too exhausted. I went home and fell asleep. Andy, uh, Dylan, I'll, I'll let you jump in in a second, but I just want to ask you this, Andy. Uh, given that you you had the the previous role in in, in uh, the commu- communications department as the communications um, guy at the, at the club at the time, um, obviously Reading are going through difficult times at the moment, but there were so many positives for the club during your time there, and, and that must have been fairly easy to deal with. That, but how did you deal with let's say, any challenging times. You must have had challenging situations. How do you yeah. how do you deal with that as, as the face of the club, as the head of media? It's open communication, exactly what you were talking about. It was interesting to listen to, to you earlier, both both Johnny and, and Dylan, what you were saying. I, I totally agree with it. It's, it's open communication. And there was, the, 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 the when I just joined, I, I remember a, a, a problem I had to deal with as the face of the club, was not the face of the club, but you know, dealing with 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 the complaints of fans, was access to the stadium when when Medeski mm. Stadium first opened, uh, which was when I joined the club. There was a single lane dirt track in and out of the stadium, and it was a nightmare to get in and out. It took people hours. It took people two hours to get out of the car park, and so we had this beautiful, big, new, shiny new stadium that was horrendous to get in and out of. And fans were upset about that, understandably so. You know, you don't want to be still sitting in the car park two hours after the game's finished for this state-of-the-art new stadium. So we got a lot of complaints about that. And the only way to to try and, you know, explain to fans was, yeah, we totally understand it. We're building the new road, but it will take time. You know, please bear with us. That's all you can do is be honest and open. And, you know, I, I, I don't follow the, 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 I'm not close enough to the club at the moment to, to comment on how things are done. I know there are a lot of good people there, though. But the, the, the thing that we had that was special was that you could be honest and open with fans because you knew that, I knew that working at the club, everyone's best intentions were there. And that started from the top where, Dylan was talking about the community spirit within the club that was at Elm Park. And a great thing was that that spirit survived the move to Medeski Stadium, even though it became in, in many ways a different club with, the, with the, the new stadium. The people who worked there, the core of the people who worked there, had many of them had been there for years. 
and and people like Mike and Grace Kearney, who ran the Royals Rendezvous and then worked in different roles within the club, were there and retained that genuine sense of, of community that, for me, it was so much easier to be there and present whatever arguments I needed to fans who were unhappy about whatever it might be, because I genuinely believed, and it was the case, that everyone there from the top down, from John Medeski down, was sincerely doing their very best for the club. Um, you know, that isn't always the case at football clubs. I don't know enough about the situation now, but it definitely was. And that leadership that, that John Medeski definitely was responsible for setting the tone of played a massive part. As Dylan said, what happens off the pitch is reflected on the pitch. And, and we had that, thanks to John Medeski and the way he ran the club, allowed everyone else working in all departments, including down to the players on the field, to, to, to achieve what they did. And Dylan, do you want yeah, to... Dylan, do yeah, want no, to... yeah I'm, I'm, I'm glad he said that because, like, like you know, sometimes, Andy, we, we, he, Mark sends me scripts and questions from previous podcasts, but, which I never, you know, I never actually do he, them, to be fair. He ignores me. When you, <laughs> when, when you listen to people about, you know, th th their point, you can actually come on, you can jump on that. And I think it's important with what you said about, yes, it's uh, it's a different, uh, it's a different era, it's a different uh, stadia, you know, but the clubs always remain the same and it's kind of, you know, yeah, everybody wants to be in the Premier League. That's where the money is. But, the, the, the loyal fans, the, the, the loyal people that have worked uh, around a football club, when, when they're in the Premier League, everybody jumps on the bandwagon, everybody wants to work at the club. Mm. And as soon as they leave the league, then jobs, lo jobs are lost in hospitality, you know, at the training facility, in and around the stadium. And then, you know, we, we kind of, for me, kind of, you look, the club loses its identity because then people have been there for a long, long time and they've given back what they get out of watching Reading Football Club. And, and the people that I worked along with uh, in the offices and, 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 and like you say, in, in, in the rendezvous, everywhere, you know, we, 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 it was important that we had that as a football club because they kept coming back. They kept coming back. And, and you, you'd, you'd always be remembered uh, when you're walking down the streets or you're, 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 you're on this podcast. It's going to be amazing to see how, how, how this has been taken because... The points that you're making are fantastic there, Andy. It really is the Reading way, though, isn't it, Hans? Like That was the Reading yeah. way. It was a family community club, and that's what worked exactly. for all those years. And, and that's, that's what I really enjoyed. I just really enjoyed the atmosphere. You know, Elm Park, midweek games under floodlights, Michael Jilks mm. running down the wing, crossing it, not always successfully, but often <laughs> the Trevor Senior to knock it in from the six, inside the six-yard box. Fantastic times. And Andy, we're we're running short of time. We've we've got a few minutes left. So, just wondered if you can tell us what you're up to now, and you know what you, and also where you see Reading going from here. How they're going to get out of this and turn the club around. But firstly, what are you what are you up to now? Well, I moved to Spain nearly ten years ago um, with uh, an opportunity my wife had through her work. I, I left Reading in two thousand and nine, as you said. I've been there eleven years and had a had a great time. But I knew because I was so lucky with the, with everything that the club achieved during that time that I'd basically done everything I could at Reading, and I'd always liked the idea of freelancing as well. And, and it just seemed like the right time. So 
I, I left in 2009 and then and then 2012, um, we moved to Barcelona and I was already freelancing and thought, you know, working sports journalism, freelance, Barcelona is probably not a bad place. Um, and I've been lucky things have worked out really well. I'm, I'm now a commentator for um, La Liga TV, covering Spanish football in, in English, obviously, and um, and various things like that. But actually, that the only reason I'm a commentator now um, working, you know, covering La Liga is John Medeski, because in 2000, maybe, I think it was 2000, he decided he wanted a radio station. So he <laughs> built one. <laughs> there was a there was an unused corner of the stadium and he decided he would convert that into a studio. And that became Reading 107, which is, is part of some bigger group now, I think. The Reading 107 doesn't exist anymore, does it? But before um, a radio station, I don't know if the system still is the same, but back then, when a new radio station is, is created, before it can be given a license to, um, to operate, go on air live, they have a month, basically as a trial, to show that they know what they're doing, how to run a radio station, and that they can meet the expected standards. So we had this month of Reading 107 operating. And at the end of the month, um, John Madeski said, well, we've got a game and I'm going to give my new radio station the rights for commentary. And so we're going to do commentary this weekend. And the day before the game, they realised they didn't have a commentator. So um, he said, that Andy West can do it. Give him a call. So I had a call the <laughs> night before the game and was told, you're doing commentary tomorrow, Reading against Luton. Like, oh, OK. I'd never done it before in my life, never done anything like it, but I liked the idea of it. So I, I was I was up for it and did the commentary. Uh, it, it was, I remember the game, J Jamie Curitan's the theme because he scored a hat-trick, Reading 1-4-1. And I enjoyed it. It went well. They got the license to to operate permanently. And so they came back to me and said, well, can you do every game now? So that was it. I then started doing commentary. And it without John Medeski having, having that initiative to, to build his own radio station, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Listen, Dylan, I know, I know you're, you're so enthusiastic to talk, but we, we are out of time now. So I just want to say thank you first to our, our special guest, Andy West, Thank you to Dylan. Thank you, Johnny. That's it for this week. Thank you to all of you for listening. You can join us again from 6.30 next Tuesday. And just a reminder that our guest next week is none other than legendary former Royals manager, Steve Koppel. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 1871podcast. Thank you. Take care and good night. And come on, you ours. Sports Social Podcast Network. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.